0: Hey, DC, right now at VisionWorks, all prescription eyewear, every
1: frame, every brand is 50% off. Yup, a nifty 50% thanks to our friends and family event. What's even better? It applies to both glasses and sunglasses. That's right. At the VisionWorks friends and family event, you can save 50% on all prescription eyewear. Why? Because we like you, DC, a lot. VisionWorks, we're here to help you. Some restrictions apply. See store for details.
0: Hey, podcast listeners, this is your humble host, Michael Smalley, and I just wanted to take a moment of your time before the show gets going to remind you about our online membership. It is an incredible resource to help you build a better relationship where we have taken all of our best video series and converted them into online courses. You can check out how to become a member at SmalleyInstitute.com. Oh. today's show we do have a very special guest and per usual I tried and wanted to come up with something creative you know some cool introduction that would pique your interest but then but then I went to her website and found the perfect introduction so this is something I just uh, easily stole from Laura Doyle's website but it says Laura Laura Doyle was was great wife material Until she actually got married. When she tried to tell her husband how to be tidier, more romantic, and more ambitious. He avoided her. She dragged him to marriage counseling and nearly divorced. When she interviewed women who had what she wanted in their marriages, she got her miracle. The man who wooed her came back. Welcome to Smalley Marriage Radio. I am your host, Michael Smalley, along with my extraordinary co-host, Seth Johnson. And on the phone... Right so now. We have the author of The Empowered Wife, Laura Doyle, who had that amazing, creative, and humorous introduction on her homepage of her website. Laura, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks. Great to be here.
0: So, who wrote that for you? Was that something you came up on your own? <laughs>
1: no. No, it's all—it's so embarrassing. How could someone else write that for me? It's—it's it's all true, but <laughs> yeah, that's—that's that's what actually happened. I thought I was the perfect wife, and then I actually got married, and uh, it, it kind of went downhill from then. I—I I just couldn't. I couldn't see any harm in telling my husband how he could be more romantic or be more ambitious or eat better or, you know, do a better job with the chores around the house. But it turns out that helpful in wife language actually equals critical <laughs> in husband language. <laughs> and that's what I learned. So um, a few years into our marriage, we were, it was very painful actually. We were really distant. He was avoiding me. He would rather watch reruns on TV, then spend time with me, or even make love to me. And so I knew there was something wrong with him. There must be something wrong with him, because <laughs> right. that didn't seem normal. <laughs> so that's, that's when I came up with the, the idea. that um, I would take him to a marriage counselor, and she would fix him so that I could <laughs> finally be happy, because that's how it works, I think. <laughs> right. And um, that's when we were in marriage counseling. That's when it became uh, most hopeless, I realized. He was never going to change, and my choices were either to just live the rest of my life in a loveless marriage or to get a divorce. And um, I decided I was going to go ahead and get divorced, except that there was this one problem, which was that I was too embarrassed to get divorced, Mm -hmm. because people had been to the wedding just not that many years before. So as a last-ditch effort to try to save my marriage, I asked women who had been married for what seemed like an eternity, which was 15 (laughs) years, what their secrets were for a happy relationship. And the things they told me didn't even make sense. I remember one woman said, I try never to criticize my husband, no matter how much it seems like he deserves it. And I said, oh, have you got anything else? (laughs) I didn't think I could do that, first of all. Um, But what I did was take all their suggestions on board and I just made my marriage into a big laboratory if something worked, I kept it. If it didn't work, I threw it out. And what emerged were what I now call the six intimacy skills. And if I stuck to those, things went really well, and and we were connected again and and happy. And if I didn't stick to those, we were back to cold wars and wall-to-wall hostility. So I remember I had been practicing them for a little while, um, and I remember I, I came home one day, and as I walked through the door, my husband's face lit up, and he was happy to see me, and that had been gone.
0: That'd be a good sign.
1: It was a really good sign. I thought, "Oh my gosh, this is working." Well, let, so me, I recruit-
0: let me. Sorry, but let me ask you a question because I'm I'm actually very curious on what maybe you were doing for a living at the time because most people don't when they're in crisis, especially in their marriage they don't think about finding other people or, in your case, other women to interview. Like, how on earth did you get inspired or maybe what was behind this sort of need or desire to interview others to try to figure this thing out?
1: Well, I mean, are you a reporter?
0: Would, are you a writer?
1: Oh, great questions. I, I majored in journalism in school. That's uh, what I, have. I have a bachelor's in journalism, so I've always been the curious type and I've always been a writer and uh I was writing uh, I was like a marketing writer at the time that this was happening uh so it did seem natural to me to um inquire of other people i was I'm always asking people you know even even now I'm just always asking people questions so i I knew that could be um you know it was interesting though when I was asking the questions, I really thought that those women were going to say that they uh, they picked a good guy, right? That they did a better job choosing uh, their husband than, than I did. I really believed that everything was his fault at that time because I was working so hard on the relationship. And, and uh, of course, I was doing the wrong kind of work, which was trying to get him to change, which is exhausting. And um, so it was really uh, shocking and life-changing to realize that not only was he not the problem, I was almost entirely the problem. I, I think I was entirely the problem because now I have the kind of relationship where um, not too long ago I was brushing crumbs off the counter, and my husband said, oh, wait, don't move, and he got out his phone to take pictures of me like I'm the supermodel that he's been <laughs> married to for 28 years, you know? So it's I'm unspeakably grateful to have the that kind of love every day.
0: Well, and what's neat in in the prologue actually of your book which I wanted to get into and you've kind of already teased it a little bit, but you have this kind of header at the beginning that says my husband was a loser, but then you go on to say at the lowest point of my marriage I was absolutely convinced that I had married the wrong person. Uh Laura, I don't know if you're familiar with what we do here at the Smalley Institute, but one of our sort of core programs is our Smalley Marriage Intensive Program where couples come in, it's a one-on-one deal, you know, where we've trained people in our in our method. And by far, one of the biggest issues that people bring in that they're unaware of are these negative beliefs. And that's, that's how I would describe that, is your negative belief was that, dang it, I made a mistake and chose the wrong person. But it sounds like you were able to sort of figure that out and go, well, hold on, maybe I have issues and maybe I... I should focus on my stuff, and then we'll see what happens.
1: Well, so you're saying that my belief that my husband was a loser pants was a negative belief that maybe he wasn't serving (laughs) me? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, uh, you're right. It's kind of funny the way you describe it. It sounds so logical and methodical, and at the time, it just felt like a mess, you know? So um, I appreciate you uh, adding order to my experience (laughs) of wrecking my marriage, single-handedly driving us into the ditch. (laughs) but um i i you know it is my uh the thing i mean i'm i'm a new york times best-selling author and i've been on lots of uh national tv shows my books are in um 20 uh 28 countries and 18 languages and i have my own tv series on amazon now but my the thing i'm most proud of in the entire world is this happy marriage that i have today and um just the joy that that brings me. So it really was quite the humbling journey and, um, and I wouldn't trade it for the world.
0: Now, what do you think though? How did you, because it's such a critical insight to get that many people resist is this idea that, hold on, I, I can't control my husband or, you know, if a, if a husband's listening, I can't control my wife. All I can control is me because you have, I, I can tell because one of our big things that we talk about all the time is personal responsibility. Uh-huh. And how, how were you able, like, what, what was that light bulb moment for you when, and, and, you know, I know we, I know your husband isn't perfect. And so I appreciate that you tend to stay on yourself and your own issues, but I, I know he's not perfect either. But for you, what was that light bulb moment when you realized, holy cow, I need to start taking responsibility for what I'm doing, and I need to fix that instead of trying to fix him.
1: Well, there's more embarrassing stories. Ooh, um, we like those. (laughs) Those are our favorite. (laughs) So so, when I dragged him to marriage counseling, uh, I really thought, you know, I was going to get a professional to tell him what a jerk he was being, right? Because that's that's helpful. But actually, what he did was he sent us on the, I call it the no control date, which was... She was trying to tell me that I was controlling, and she said, why don't you go on a date with John, and uh, he'll make all the decisions. He'll, he'll drive, he'll pick the restaurant, he'll order your food even. He's a man who knows me well, loves me, and wants me to be happy. Mm-hmm. And all you have to do, Laura, is go along and enjoy your evening out with your husband. And so I couldn't do it. <laughs> we got into the car. We're back out of the driveway. I figured out where he was taking me. I started telling him how to get there. Uh. So um, it failed. And, and failed. you're telling
0: me he didn't respond well to that?
1: Um, for some reason, I don't know. He didn't it's seem to like it. It's kind of weird, right? I mean, I'm just helping him get there. But anyway, um, I went back to the counselor, and, and uh, the counseling was a really frustrating experience for us overall. It, it just didn't help because... Um, So I had the light bulb moment like, oh, I am controlling. Okay, I get that now. And I went back and said, okay, you're right, I'm controlling. What do I do about it? And her response was, just stop being so controlling. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, I later found out that she was kind of controlling in her marriage too. So maybe she just couldn't kind of give me what she didn't have. But um, so I ended up developing what is now a world famous system for relinquishing inappropriate control of your husband, uh, which in turn restores and revitalizes the relationship. Uh, and a lot. And so, skill number one, intimacy skill number one, is this, and it is making yourself ridiculously happy so it's replenishing your spirit uh and this is and by the way i only serve women we don't i don't help couples i don't help men at all because women are the keepers of the relationship we are the sexier sex we're the ones with the tail feathers and um you know i hate to say it to you michael because i know it rubs you wrong but happy wife happy life really is (laughs) not just a well played you know it's not just a saying right so uh, so I find that my desires are my husband's GPS, right? He just wants me to be happy. I've asked thousands of men how important it is to them that their wife is happy. And they all say the same thing. They say, uh, well, in fact, I should, I should ask the two men I'm with right now. I'll tell you what they say. So I don't know, Seth, how important it to you, is it to you that your wife is happy?
0: Oh, extremely. Okay. Yeah. And Michael? Yeah, I don't care at all. <laughs> totally well, <liar>. disinterested
1: <laughs> totally okay um, yes well, i, I, would, agree. I would agree i would agree i would agree so they all say that they all say yeah. it's like it's very important it's the most important thing or a guy in great britain said it's imperative so knowing this if i make myself happy that's actually a wonderful gift to give my husband That's one of his major goals in life is for me to be happy. So if I make myself happy, I mean, he wants to pile on, but I used to think it was his job to make me happy. Don't ask me where I got that idea. And then I wasn't happy, so I thought he was doing a lousy job. And um, it turns out if I make an effort by doing at least three things a day for frivolous fun, so not necessarily, you know, 30 minutes of cardio and five fruits and vegetables or, something to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, but just like a a bath or a cup of coffee with a friend or uh, I'll, you know, sing at the top of my lungs in the car. uh, I love to play volleyball, so I do a lot of that. And uh, just doing that, just taking responsibility for my own happiness, wow, did that ever change things around here? Because all of a sudden, the guy that just couldn't stop watching TV was, um, was magnetized by me again. I was uh, attractive to him. And he was, he seeks out my company. Now I'll just be, I'll be working on my laptop or something and he'll just come and sit right next to me just to, to have my company. And so I love that. And that's something that so many wives crave from their husbands. And, um, it, it's so interesting that the solution is actually doing three pleasurable things a day. So
0: how, How do you help uh, wives keep healthy boundaries on what they would say keeps them happy? Because, you know, definitely people can abuse that. Like, well, happiness for me is, you know, going out every night with the girls get drinks or something like that. So how do you guide those healthy boundaries?
1: You know, actually, I find that most women um, really struggle the other direction, that we are, a lot of us, like, kind of like I was, like just a really good martyr, right? Like, oh, I have to take care of everybody else, right? I had this to-do list that was as long as a highway and never got me to my destination, really. So most women um, actually struggle with feeling guilty when they take care of themselves and they make themselves happy. I'll tell you a quick story. I had one woman who, um, you know, she said, well, I, you know, I don't see how I'm ever going to do this because I have kids and a job and a husband and a house. And she said, uh, I, but we came up with it. She was going to take a, a bath uh, on a weeknight, school night, work night. And so she announced to her family, like, okay, you guys, I'm going to go take a bath. And, you know, nobody bother me for 30 minutes. But she goes into the tub sort of expecting, like in a few minutes, she's going to hear that knock on the door, like, Mom, right? And, um, you know, the cat's paw underneath the door or whatever. And so um, 10 minutes goes by, 20 minutes goes by, 30 minutes goes by. 45 minutes later, no one has disturbed her. And she gets out of the bath, and she realizes she's a little disappointed that her family can, can get by without her for that long. Because we all need to feel important, right? So she likes feeling needed. But she goes out, and everything's fine. The kids are doing their homework. Her husband stepped up because she stepped back and made sure the kids were doing their homework. He was reading. Uh, Nothing terrible happened. So she was telling herself that she didn't have time for it. But in reality, uh, she did, and it, it not only made her the better wife and mom that she really wanted to be, but it gave her a chance to see that her husband really is this capable guy who wants to help out.
0: Now, with this, con- and, and I'm so beyond on board with self-care, it's one of the things we wrote about in the DNA of relationships in our latest book, is is how critical that is for I need to be okay, regardless of my circumstances or other people. But the point of self-care that I've always felt, and I'm curious on if you agree with this, for me, the point of self-care is so that I can love others better. That's what sort of keeps it from turning into self-centeredness as opposed to self-care.
1: It's a great way to look at it. I mean, um, you know, it's, I think I, for most women, I, I, a lot of times when we get to skill number one and they say, look, this is the indispensable first step, to all the other skills. You're not going to be able to do any of the other skills if you don't do this one. And a lot of them are kind of like, okay, yeah, yeah, self-care, right? We've all heard about self-care, and it's kind of easy to dismiss. So it really is a great perspective to say, look, you can do this in service of your husband, in service of your kids, in service of your marriage, in service of um, being a better employee, coworker, worker daughter, uh, sister, right? This is how you get there. So I, I really love that perspective, Michael, that this is something you, it, yeah, it's not selfish, but sometimes women feel selfish getting there.
0: Right. And it's like one of the conversations I had early on with my own wife, Amy, is I started grad school before she did. And she really didn't have any plans to do graduate work and psychology to kind of join the family business. But one of my big things in trying to encourage her was that for me, graduate school and her being able to be a professional and, and be a counselor or a coach or, you know, in this relationship industry, was that I felt for her, she just wasn't that quintessential stay-at-home mom. And I and, and it was uh. like, what's funny is I think I finally won her over to, to pursuing it is when I said, honey, this isn't going to take away from you as a mom because she was raised in the South in Texas. And it's like women are supposed to be at home you know, with the children and that's their job. I said, honey, you're going to be a better mom and wife if you also have that meaning. So for her, it really was even a self-care thing to get to get her graduate
1: degree. Yeah, that makes absolute sense to me. And this is, so this is what's interesting, right? When I was the armchair quarterback of my husband's life, like by controlling everything he did, it felt a lot safer than showing up for my own life, which turned out to be really scary, right? Because I, I, you know, I ended up writing books, and and some people really hated them. Actually, I had they were quite quite controversial when they first started coming out. And uh, I just remember, like, I'd get invited to speak somewhere, and I would never spoken in front of a live audience, and I, it was it was terrifying. And I thought, well, yeah, it, no wonder I just wanted to sit back and and uh, you know. My, tell him how to do things. That, that, that takes a lot less courage. So there, and, and the other thing that emerged that I thought was so interesting was this realization that as a woman, I'm not just a smaller, less hairy man. You know, I have unique feminine gifts that um, the world needs, my relationship needs, that, that we, we all benefit from if I if I honor those. And I had no idea about those. But my uh, my parents are divorced. So I was following a failed recipe by just doing what I saw dear old mom do, and um, you know, no one no one gave her the the skills that she needed to be successful. No one ever taught her, and, and that's something that I. I try to emphasize to women who are struggling in their relationship and just feeling lousy about it. It's like, gosh, you know, if no one ever taught you to play the piano and you sat down to, to play it, you wouldn't just think, wow, I hope I'm good at this, right? We, we all need to be trained. And, but I think that because we are so powerful in relationships as women, that it's kind of like Spider-Man with great power comes great responsibility. So we have this responsibility to learn these skills and then in turn honor those desires, whether it's to go to graduate school or to have another baby or to uh, work part-time or to have a garden or whatever it is, because uh, desire is the seat of feminine power. And so this is one of the the skills that we teach is um, how to express your desires in a way that inspires and it's really all about saying things in such a way that your husband can hear it and actually do something to, about it to make you happy. And I have the unfortunate habit have just complaining about things. So I would say, for instance, um, John, this kitchen is a disaster, right? And my husband can't even really hear me when I'm complaining, so all he heard was, John, blah, 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 right? <laughs> but, if, but then I just say it in the positive. If I just said... John, I, I would love a clean kitchen. You know, he, he would actually jump up and go, okay, I'll, I'll clean the kitchen. I couldn't believe it. You know, it was just a miracle because I've been spending all these years, you know, begging and pleading and complaining and all these other things. So expressing, you know, he's been doing the dishes uh, now for, I, I don't know, like over 15 years. I don't even do them anymore because he knows it makes me happy. And so anything that I can, and I have a couple of great examples of this I just heard about this week. One was um, this woman um, who wanted to, she was just practicing expressing her desires. Uh, She didn't think her husband was going to do anything about it, but one of her desires was to have the driveway repaved. And so she said out loud, she said, well, I would love to get an estimate for how much it would be to repave the driveway. She said to honor herself and also to, Honor her own, um, yeah, just to honor her own desires. That's powerful to do. And so um, the husband didn't do anything about it, but the next day someone knocked on the door and he said, hi, ma'am, I'm out uh, doing estimates for how much it would be to repave your driveway. Would you like to have one? And she couldn't believe it. Like, So it's just interesting how much we bring towards us. Another woman was telling me that for Mother's Day she um, had said to her family, she said, well, for Mother's Day I'd like to have a Mother's Day brunch and you know have mimosas Uh, And uh, like that. And um, uh, two hours later, her sister texted her and said, hey, I'm having a Mother's Day brunch. Can you come? I'm going to make mimosas and frittatas. So a lot of times just us being aware of what we want, it's not just for our husbands, but the rest of the world reorders itself and gives us the desires of our heart.
0: Yeah, and it's important, you know, again, taking responsibility for our own emotions and, and also our actions. And so how I deliver a message matters. You know, I I, I can't tell you how many times I've had to help clients and people that come to our marriage intensive program to say, well, that's one way to word it. (laughs) It's like you can't can't behave like a prickly porcupine and then be shocked when your spouse doesn't want to be near you and doesn't want to respond. That's absolutely
1: true. That's absolutely true. Yeah, it's funny because I do have – I think a lot of women – Come to my company, Laura Doyle Connect, with the intention, like, okay, this is going to teach me to do what and what to say to finally get my husband to do what I want. And and there's some truth to that. You know, we are uh, teaching them how to speak so that their husband can hear them. But also, um, what it ends up doing is really changing your heart. Like when we talk about relinquishing inappropriate control of your husband. So one of the little cheat I have a bunch of cheat phrases, I call them, and it's really just the language to get your heart in the right place, if that makes sense. So so if my um, my husband asked me, you know, I had kind of trained him previous to the intimacy skills that he needed to check with me on everything that he did or he was going to get in trouble later for not doing it the right way, meaning my way. And so uh, I thought, man, this guy can't make a decision. He has no initiative whatsoever. And it was amazing when I implemented this skill. Like, all of a sudden, he's got loads of initiative. And um, he ended up starting his own business and things like that. So um, the phrase that I used to defer back to his own thinking, so, it got, you know, it was in the beginning, it was like, what should I wear? You know, because I've been telling him that. And even though he's been dressing himself since before I was born, you know, I kind of felt like I should get a vote on that. <laughs> So, um, so you know, what, what should I wear to the party? And I started using this phrase, and it, the phrase is, whatever you think. So one woman uh, read about this phrase, and she decided she was going to start using it with her husband. They'd been um, sleeping in separate beds for six months. She'd been going to a counselor by herself for a year, complaining about him every week. And by the way, no, people, no one ever got happier by complaining about their spouse for an hour a week. So yep. that's not a very effective way to do it. I tried it, and she tried it. Neither of us had any success. But anyway, if she, uh, he walked up to her with the cell phone uh, bill and said, Hey, what do you want me to do about this cell phone plan? I, I need you to tell me what to do. And so she said, I had nothing to lose. So she said to him, Doug, whatever you think. And he just looked at her funny, like, who are you and what have you done with my wife? And he said, no, no, I really need you to tell me what to do, because that's how he'd been trained. And so she stuck to her gun. She said, whatever you think. And then she added, I trust you. So he went off and made the decision about the cell phone. And then that night he put his hand on her shoulder and he said to her, you were so nice today. And tears just started rolling down her her cheeks. And she thought, oh, my gosh, this works. They slept in the same bed for the first time in six months. And um, that was like 15 years ago. And Now he takes her on surprise trips, romantic getaways. She just was um, showing off this big, flashy, uh, marquee-cut diamond ring that he got her recently for their 25th wedding anniversary. And she still gets tears in her eyes when she talks about how wonderful her marriage is and how tragic it would have been to give it all up. Just because um, she also thought he was a loser pants, but she didn't have the skills to um, make that marriage magical again.
0: Yeah, and it sounds like what I hear you saying to all the ladies listening, to all the wives, is that if you would relinquish control, you're going to get a gigantic diamond in return.
1: You know that is, that has been my experience. Yes, that is exactly. But if I find. or us new cars, I mean, ah, I mean, trips. lots of material things. But yeah. but the things you know, the desires of our heart. So whatever those are, they they aren't necessarily They're about not necessarily money things, all the time. Yeah. Although it could be, it could be well, things that cost money too.
0: And let me ask you because this is so important. And you know, we did a survey years ago uh, where we surveyed over one hundred fifty thousand men and women married people, and men's number one complaint by far was feeling controlled. Um, and so this, this idea is so critical. What For you, how were you really able to relinquish that control? And I know that's skill number three. And so okay. what can you tell a wife <laughs> who's listening right now, hey, honey, this is what you need to do if you're going to be able to relinquish control?
1: Well, using that cheat phrase I just mentioned is fantastic. So, and it goes hand. So, whatever you think, right? When he's asking about something, we call it being um, on his paper. So, if he's saying, you know, hey, the brakes, I can hear the brakes scraping, uh, but I think I'm going to wait until next week to take him in, right? So, what happens for a wife is she goes, oh my gosh, those are the brakes of the car, like that's a safety issue, right? She feels some fear come up, and all control is based in fear. So whenever you're mm-hmm. tempted to control, it means you're afraid of something. So it's a great question to ask yourself, too. Like, what am I afraid of? And so I remember one woman um, had... She said, well, you know, I, I, I think you're right. You know, I need to relinquish control of things, but the one thing I can't relinquish control of is his driving. And I said, okay, you know, why is that? And she said, well, his driving's really unsafe. It's so reckless. It's just... It's crazy how bad he is, and so I so I realized her fear was that he you know he's going to crash the car, and so I said okay, I said well uh, how many car wrecks has he been in, and she kind of just blinked a couple times and she said well he hasn't been in any, but that's because I tell him what you know how to avoid them. I'm always telling him how to how to not crash into things, and so so sometimes just because we're afraid doesn't mean that the fear is realistic doesn't mean that it's a rational fear so a lot of times just picking out um, what you're afraid of and asking yourself hey is that fear realistic and is it worth the intimacy it would cost me to try to control it and also can I really control it because a lot of times we've been saying things for years trying to control them and of course nothing ever really improves because people are pretty hard to control not just husbands but other people too right kids Mm -hmm. parents everybody pretty hard to control so the thing for me that really made the difference too was also just really looking at intimacy and control as the opposites that they are like light and dark like i can have intimacy if i'm willing to relinquish control or if i want to be in control well the intimacy is going to go those are the options that i have and I didn't make up those those rules, right? This is just one of the laws of the universe. And so in every moment, I get to make a choice. And at first, it doesn't feel like a choice. At first, it just feels like it's compulsory to try to control somebody because that fear comes up so quick. Um, but through uh, those questions that I just mentioned and being around other women that are making the intimacy the priority, uh, we really do see this miracle where women are able to relinquish control and Strengthen those courage muscles. I like this quote by Ambrose Redmond. He said that courage is not the absence of fear, but it's the decision that something else is more important. And I think of the intimacy as being more important in that moment. So that was all pretty cerebral what I just said. Um but we find that in in the real time practice, um relying on those questions and relying on the cheat phrases. Man, it gets you there pretty fast, much faster than just stop controlling.
0: Yeah, and I've learned over a very long career in helping folks that it really does come down to the choices I make. If I base my decisions off of emotions, that'll get me in trouble. But at some point, I have to sort of take control of my life and say, hold on, this clear. And that's one of my favorite questions I like to ask people when coaching them is, how has this been working for you? And they just kind of look like, well, obviously pretty bad because we're here with <laughs> <Right>. you. <laughs> and it's like, well, right. maybe you might be open then to trying something different. And that's Laura, that's really what I've enjoyed about your book, The Empowered Wife, is it gives these very simple uh, six surprising secrets that it, it's, it's really an education. And that's what's funny and what I appreciate about what you're doing is You know, I got my master's in clinical psychology, my Ph.D. I should be doing traditional counseling, but what I learned very quickly, even through the educational process, is this doesn't feel very effective. And what has been proven to be far more effective is education, which really comes down to coaching and finding someone who can help you learn better how to love each other.
1: Well, that is a tremendous thing to hear from you, Michael. I so appreciate that validation because um, that's certainly been my experience. That um, yeah, counseling. Uh, you know, there are two things that happened in counseling that actually set us back further when I look back at them, and one was, you know, I didn't realize that respect is like oxygen for for men. Certainly for my husband, but really I'm seeing it for all men. Mm-hmm. And that one of the most disrespectful things that I could possibly do was sit down in front of a stranger, a counselor, and tell that person everything that was wrong with my husband in front of him. And um, I just had no idea that I was digging my hole much deeper by doing that. But that's exactly what happened. So, so it did more harm than good, unfortunately. And then the other thing about, uh, well, there are two other things about counseling. One is that, as a woman, I um, I think women have this one of the feminine gifts, which is emotional brilliance. We're better at knowing how we feel and expressing it than men are, and our husbands really rely on us for this because our, um, particularly our vulnerability, is some is part of what uh, attracts men to us and causes the fascination that leads to lasting commitment. So they really rely on us to bring our feelings in. So I was doing this thing that I learned in counseling, which is you start out by saying, you know, everybody says how they feel. And my husband was terrible at it, right? He would say, hungry? Uh, Or he'd kind of ask, like, a question, like, uh, do I have this right? One time he said, with my hands? Right? (laughs) How do you feel? With my hands? And I was, like, horrified. I'm like, oh my God, my husband does not know how to express his feelings! And um, it turns out that is not how I get to intimacy. I thought it was. You know, I used to sit him down on the couch and have these State of the Union addresses, I call them, where it's like, we need to talk about our relationship. There's no more uh, fearful words you could say to a husband, I, I think, that strike <laughs> right. terror into his heart, than we need to talk. And uh, I was trying to get down to the feelings thing, because that's what I learned in counseling, well... That is much more the domain of the feminine. It turns out it's not very polite to even ask a man that question. Like, you know, if there were, I was a woman wearing a bathing suit and eating pizza, I wouldn't walk up to her and say, how much do you weigh? And it's pretty <laughs> much equivalent, it turns out. So um, that was kind of another downfall of counseling that it actually kind of made me think he was more flawed than I actually thought when we first went in. But I think the probably the biggest problem of all is something I already referenced, which is I dragged him to counseling so she could fix him. And I think this is not that uncommon. I think it's kind of a hideout for hypocrites. I didn't go there to become a better wife. I went there to dutifully stand by while well, she taught him how to be a better husband. So nobody – there's actually no such thing as working on a relationship. I thought there was, but there's not. There's only – working on myself and then he responded to me so much better
0: yeah and that's that's the secret nobody wants to hear is hey maybe I can do something different that could turn this thing around they they typically want to point the finger and say hey this is what you're doing wrong you fix it so I can be happy but it sort of puts us and sets us up in that victim role
1: yeah I was very much the victim but you know here's Here's the part that I think people do want to hear. I know women especially want to hear this because we care deeply about our relationships. You know, from the time we're really little, we start talking about them and thinking about them and uh, comparing notes about them and just writing about it and reading about it and watching movies about relationships. So, you know, empowerment in my relationship. Where is a disguise. And that disguise is accountability. You know, what am I contributing? What am I bringing? My husband is just a mirror. And when, um, he's, you know when we're playing together, when we're laughing and holding hands, when he asks me to get up and dance in the living room when a swing song comes on, that's my mirror saying that what I'm bringing to the relationship is you know I'm the goddess of fun and light in this moment right <laughs> i'm um I'm a joy to be with I'm not the porcupine wife, and when he's avoiding me or um oh gosh like i'm still I'm still not perfect like the other night we were at dinner, and he was telling me something about his business. And I made a disparaging comment about one of his clients. I complained about one of his clients, and um, he correctly took that as me trying to control what he does in his business. And so it was a completely disrespectful comment. And I just saw his face change immediately. You know, he just kind of looked like really unhappy. And I was like, oh, oh, you know, I kind of wasn't really on my game that well. I said, um, oh, I go. Was that disrespectful? And he was like, "Yeah." <laughs> and I go, "Oh," and then I use this cheat phrase that I love too, which is, um, you know, I apologize for being disrespectful when I criticized your client, and that's it. I just say, I just say that that first part. I apologize for being disrespectful when I. And I remember, like the first time, it just felt like sawdust in my mouth to say I apologize for being disrespectful. And also I have, I also thought he was going to say, oh no, that's okay. You weren't disrespectful, but he never did. (laughs) He was always like, yes, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, Finally, she's clued in. (laughs) Finally, finally. (laughs) I was like, oh, so it's so interesting to me the way God made respect seems so different to men than it does to women. Like through my female brain, I think, Oh, I'm being respectful because I, I didn't leave a mess or I let him know where I was, right? Being considerate is what I consider, think of as being respectful. And that has nothing to do with what my husband considers <laughs> respectful. He wants me to respect his thinking. He And that doesn't always mean that I agree with it. It just means that I'm willing to honor his thinking, that I'm not trying to improve upon it, that I'm not contradicting it, that I'm not undermining it which, of course, is what I was constantly doing, pre-intimacy skills. So it's been, um, and and I write about this all the time, and it still is, like, shocking to me what uh, respect looks like to men, that they they, my, their thinking and their accomplishments. They want us to honor. I mean, I'm saying this to you guys like you don't know. But, (laughs) I mean, back me up here or tell me I'm wrong. I mean, is that what uh, you consider respect?
0: Yeah. Yeah, being sure. oh. valued for who I am. And yeah, absolutely. Now, I mean, unfortunately, Laura, I'm not the normal guy. So, yeah. I, you know, at nine years old, I proudly stood up in third grade on career day. And when they asked me, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I actually said, I want to be a husband and a father. Oh, it's so, so sweet. I, I love that. I'm actually more feminine than my wife. So that's why I'm reading The Empowered Wife, because <laughs> I think that's more my role. <laughs>
1: Wait a minute, what's feminine about saying I want to be a husband and a father? That sounds incredibly masculine to me.
0: Well, I would agree, but how many men do you know that dreamt of being married one day at nine? <laughs> yeah.
1: That is a really good point. In fact, um, one of my favorite comedians, oh, his name escapes me right now, but he... I remember him saying exactly that. he said, women, marriage is up to you. He goes, as little boys, we don't say, hey, let's play married. I'll pretend to go to the store, and you tell me I bought all the wrong things.
0: (laughs) Maybe his name was Michael Smalley. Was that the comedian? It
1: could (laughs) have (laughs) been.
0: No, that guy's not funny. No, I think
1: that's adorable.
0: (laughs) No, well, I I, want. You
1: know what, though? I hear it's it's such a masculine role in a way because husband and father, I just kind of hear like, Hero, protector, provider—you know what I mean. That so for me, I, but I love. Yeah, you're right. It's unusual that nine-year-old voice. <laughs> i okay. talking about getting married, but I but I hear it. I hear it in the
0: mouth. And, and, and you're probably right too, because those are roles that I do love: is to be that protector and to be that hero. It's basically all I ever daydream about. I just need to get it in my real life eventually.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I think it, it's not just you. I mean. Just the other day, my husband was saying something like that. He's like, okay, I can't be at Iwo Jima. I can't be at the Battle of the Bulbs. I can't be at Frozen, Chosen. but I can do this thing. And it was it was something, oh, he was going to videotape something for me, and then I'll be a hero. Yeah. That's so sweet. But <laughs> I think that's, I mean, that's, my husband certainly has this hero gene. I didn't know about it before I knew about my feminine gifts and the intimacy skills. I couldn't trigger it. But um, I think all men it's been my experience that all men have that hero gene. They just want to be heroes, yeah. and they can be that to their wives if their wives will let them.
0: If they'll let them. That's the key. Well, I want to thank you so much, Laura, for coming on the show and for writing The Empowered Wife. I think it's incredibly it's insightful. You're an excellent writer. It is not easy to write and be funny and interesting, and you accomplish both very, very well with The Empowered Wife.
1: Oh, that's so sweet. Thank you so much. I'm smiling ear to ear.
0: All right. Well, maybe you'll come back on again one day.
1: Oh, I would be delighted to do that. Uh, Thank you so much. It has been wonderful.
0: Unless Seth was too offensive.
1: (laughs) Well, you know a little. I was gonna mention that too. No, we can wait till (laughs) off
0: the air. (laughs) We'll we'll do it later behind his back. Yeah. That's a respectful and honoring (laughs) thing, I think. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming on and I wish you nothing but the best as you continue to inspire women. Yeah. Thank you.
1: Michael, yeah. Michael and Seth, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much. You've
0: been a great host. Uh, We appreciate that. Smalley Marriage Radio is brought to you by the Smalley Institute. If your marriage is on life support, reignite your relationship in only two days. Find out more online at SmalleyInstitute.com or call us toll free at 888 565 6462. Was all I heard. I was shaking from a storm in me, haunted by the specters that we had to see. Yeah, I wanted to be the man.
1: help inside that church from producer jj abrams critics are calling overlord a thrilling combination of action and horror and now it's 93 fresh on rotten tomatoes overlord rated r in theaters and imax november 9th directed by julia Avery.
0: did you hear the news metro pcs is now metro by t-mobile now you get new plans with unlimited high speed data all month long all on the t-mobile network Check out the new Metro by T-Mobile today and discover the smarter way to get unlimited. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius. During congestion, the fraction of customers using greater than 35 gigs per month may notice reduced speeds. And Metro customers may notice reduced speeds
1: versus some T-Mobile customers. Video streams at 4 p Coverage not available in some areas. See store for details and terms and conditions.